Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. I'm proud to offer premium wireless for just $15 a month. And I'm proud that we have thousands of five-star reviews from customers like Dan D in New York who writes, I am satisfied customer. How can this only be 15 bucks? He wrote it in all caps. I needed you to feel it like he feels it. I hope I did that justice, Dan. And I hope that you try Mint too at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of An Earful Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lone, and I'm here with Matt Pearson. How's it going, mate? Hello, good. You weren't here for this episode. <laughs> this is going to be shocking to the viewers. I'm not in it after this. Uh, but I was producing. I was sat behind the camera. Yeah, you were there. Yeah. You were there in technical spirit. I heard the conversation. Exactly. You, know, you were present. So I wasn't here for the interview. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so who are we speaking to today? The viewers. No. <laughs> we spoke to uh, Jocko and Billy from Puppy. And by we, I mean Lun and Mai. Yes. And it was a bloody good conversation. I really enjoyed this interview. Uh, we discussed everything from... Um, I should also mention with this one that uh, we spoke to him the week prior to the release of the brand new album, Pure Evil, yeah, which is out now. It's been some time uh, yes. since, which there's another episode there's about a, that. And what's yeah. to why? Um, but yeah, the week before the album came out is when we spoke to them. Yes. Uh, and we speak about everything to do with the brand new album, the inspiration behind it. Um, cause we obviously noticed straight away that there is like some horror aspects, which was quite yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the writing process. Uh, we're going on a bit of a nostalgia trip of when they toured with CKY. Which we only realized like 10 minutes yeah. before <laughs> actually jumping on the call. Like, London Matty had already seen Puppy. Supporting CKY. Yeah, it's like, holy shit, we've, uh, we've seen these before. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we speak about that and we also discuss the fun perils of Steiner in bands when you're younger and all the things to avoid. And resent them. And so much more. And moving on, if you didn't know, we have a Patreon now. So you can pay us money and you get bonus stuff like merch discounts, episodes before they come out. Yep. So, hi if you're on Patreon. Um, and all that shit. You know what Patreon is. I'm not, I'm not explaining it. The link's down below. Okay. We'll do it that way. Uh, massive shout out to Matt from Goodles Gold PR as well, uh, for setting up this chat. Yeah. Um, really means a lot that we got to speak to these guys. And if you haven't already, you probably have because you're watching this, but we have social media like everyone else. And if you want to check us out on that and keep following whatever episodes we're doing, you can check that out at an earful podcast. I don't need to go through every single social media platform because you're probably already aware of what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, enjoy the episode. Enjoy. Yeah, guys. Anyway, thank you for coming on. Uh, what have you been up to recently? um we've been well just kind of getting ready we, like we got our album coming out in, in two weeks i think now may 6th so, yeah yeah we've just been kind of we've had a lot we we haven't been really out live at all we start we start touring just after the album comes out yeah so we've we've just been doing a bunch of sort of like maintenance work and making sure that like <laughs> everything's kind of going on okay behind the scenes and, mm. and stuff like that billy's been I very busy making videos 
Yeah, I ordered a new bass drum skin for the tour. Oh, did you? Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, but you guys, are you guys interested in what that, what, what we've yes, gone for? Yes, definitely, yeah. Uh, so, do you, you know the, the Pondering the Orb guy, the meme Pondering the Orb? You know that 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 it was it was kind of trending maybe in the, a couple months ago. It's like uh, it, it's an illustration from the cover of a Lord of the Rings book, yeah, like a comic book spinoff. Yeah, and I've got I've got the pondering the orb guy, but then the orb that he's pondering is the hole where the microphone goes into the bass drum, and I'm so happy with it and it's, I'm satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, more than any other aspect of the tour, that's what I'm most excited about. Is kind of, and I'm now slowly realizing as I tell this story to you, and <laughs> maybe it's not as impressive as the, I ner- the, the nerds will get it, but everyone else will be like. Yeah, yeah, hey, baby, it's nerds only our shows, please. Yeah, <laughs> well, at one point, we uh, like we were talking about we were trying to convince Billy Billy to get like a double kick, but like the old school double, like the Van Halen double kick of actually having two kick drums because the arms were pure yeah. evil, and we wanted like pure and evil on each kick yes. drum. Yes. Um, yeah, nice. But Billy's only got one kick drum, so he could. <laughs> that conversation sort of ended there. I also can't play double kick, but I mean, maybe that's quite funny. Maybe that's even funnier as having yeah, yeah, yeah. two kick drums and just not even just having using a the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like having like fake amps in like, the back of the stage. You just have fake like 40 kick drums. Like, yeah, like Terry Brunzio's think... drum kit, and I'm just playing the hi hat and the snare. That's all I have. Yeah, yeah. In fact, didn't, I think Weezer had on their last mm. tour, they had however many letters there are in Weezer, uh, seven kick drums with a letter on each. No, they didn't. Oh, standing up cool. on the stage, which looked fucking, fucking awesome. I was going to oh, say, yeah. if, if guitarists can do it with like empty cabs, then then why the fuck not? Do you know what I mean? That's mm. it, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can do it with extra people on stage as well. Just like we kind of like mannequins <laughs> in the back holding guitar, <laughs> pulled out all the stops. Yeah, <laughs> like pe- fleshing out the empty crowds and in, in some of the quieter gigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, with like, you know those walls, you know the fake walls that they use in training and football pitches. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, we've got tons yeah. of those with like puppy puppy t-shirts on and shit. Yeah, we'll stick them in the merch. <laughs> be like no room on like the venue. It's just going to literally just be like these mannequins on stage, and you're just like, yeah. like crammed in between them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The seven people who've bought tickets won't actually be able to get into the room, but it will look. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's matters. sold out. Oh, but yeah, yeah. lots of tickets left. That's why these mannequins, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean, look in the room; it's clearly sold out, guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just have it really dark, and then it looks like it. Yeah, that's the plan. You're giving away all our secrets, man. So. Yeah, man. Sorry, we man. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were reminded that. We've actually seen you guys before live because you um, supported TKOY many, many moons ago. Yeah. 20, yeah. 2017, was it? Fucking hell. I think it was. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was like, I think one of our earliest tours. Am I imagining that, Bill? Um, I think it was our second support tour. We had a really good, yeah. We, um, we did. We, we had a lovely run. We did. We did CKY. Then we did Cavell Attack straight afterwards. I think mm. that was really. That was a lovely. Yeah, that was really really good. That was that fucked me five years ago now. Jesus Christ! Crazy. Yeah. I remember seeing you guys like sort of like coming out at the time, and yeah, and then and then I realised you were supporting CKY. So I thought I was sick. So kill uh, two birds with one stone there. But yeah, uh, how was it supporting yeah. CKY? Like they've they've always been my childhood like bands that like, mm. I grew up with. 
Well, yeah, like we, we were all fans, but like Will in particular, um, like, I remember like we, because Will's like super chatty, you know, we're in the van, like, you know, uh, chatting away and he just got quieter and quieter as we got closer to the first venue and then kind of like let us know that he was like, he was like, just letting guys know I'm like a really, really big secret wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he was like, in a, was he in a fan club or something like that? Like he was like, into it and then like i think he like knew so much stuff he knew all about the, the sort of the metaverse that they they inhabited like all these like yeah. apparently they recorded this one in the desert because they were all they were, you know they were, they were experimenting with a new sound like we were like okay cool yeah, yeah he knew like he was like he knew every fact about the band like where they were and so like it was mad uh, and then when we got there like chad's um, he was super nice. I like, came over and was like, hey, how you doing, guys? And like, Will was just like standing there like, hey, Chad, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was fun, man. It was, it was really cool. Um, yeah, I think the last show was the Underworld, wasn't it? In, was that the last show? We did two nights in a row at the Underworld that were both sold out, um, mainly with was mannequins. Was, yeah. It was, I mean, we, <laughs> yeah, we copied that. We copied our logo and the mannequin idea off CKY. They were doing it first. Um, well, that was the funny thing as well, because our, um, our logo, like our original logo of the band, we um, we put it as the, the yellow and red. We stole the uh, colors from the uh, Blizzard of Oz album cover, which is like one of our favorite albums like as a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it didn't occur to us until we like signed up for that tour <laughs> that the logo and the colors were like literally the CK because they they yeah, also yeah, like yeah, yeah. it from from the same album. I remember him saying uh, Sig, I think it was Sig, was saying that he'd literally it was pre Photoshop and he'd had he maybe even had the vinyl or he had some version of that logo and he took a scalpel to it and turned the O into a C. And basically fashioned that logo out of the Ozzy Osbourne logo. And apparently, they, yeah, and they played Ozfest probably, I don't know, like 15, 20 years ago. And um, apparently Sharon, came, like they had their big banner there and Sharon came over and was actually quite pissy about it. And then in return, really? when we played, they were kind of like, kind of copied our logo there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's this, uh, it's, it's a never-ending chain. Oh, the tables have turned. Exactly. <laughs> We're just waiting for someone to copy our logo, but it doesn't seem to be happening, man. Yeah, if anyone, if anyone fancies it, then yeah, crack on and it will get. Invitation we will Fiverr. <laughs> yeah. Please copy our logo. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about the new album then. So it's coming out in two weeks. Two weeks. How how's that feeling then? Are you are you at the point where you're just like I just want to release it, or is it just like oh, still excitement on. on it now? I think um, it's been such a long gestation period writing, recording this album. Um, yeah, I think we're all incredibly excited to get it out there. Actually, it just I mean we've got done a lot of fucking singles in the build up to it as well. This campaign. I mean, Jock, how many songs have we put out now? It's like Four, five. Yeah, well, you got you had the EP out, didn't you? Which has got like a lot of tracks off the the album as well, hasn't it? Yeah, I think we've got like maybe like five. Five. We released like pretty much half the album. (laughs) 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 You could have much more. (laughs) (laughs) What's weird? You want to hear the less good songs of the album that weren't singles? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's weird that a lot of streaming sites or in the, the like they arrange it as if it was an EP. We've had people messaging being like, "This EP is great, guys," but <laughs> it isn't. It's just a collection of singles that will turn into an album once the actual album gets released. And as Jock yeah. says, 
the weaker songs I put alongside them. That's when, you know, <laughs> that's when you know you got real cooking with gas situation there. Yeah. No, it's it like yeah, like Billy said, it's bit it's um I mean, for me personally, I think I find like so much work goes into um every step of it. Um, you know, the writing of it, the recording. Yeah and mixing the whole thing that by the end I'm kind of burnt out and also like just have to at that point because I'm I think with it like with anyone like any creative person you always want to like you could always keep going you could always keep tinkering and it's important to kind of let go so like for me I like when we finish an album it takes me like or, or an EP it takes me like a year at least that I can like listen to it again yeah because all you hear is the sort of um stuff that you change or, or or any of that like i think it's important to let go and let it have a life of its own and then when i go back to it like i, I like for me I, I find it way easier to move on to the next project like start writing a new bunch of songs i'm like cool let's just focus on this and then for me personally when i go back to it later it's like oh this is really this is a really cool little like yeah you know yeah. postcard of, of where we were at but um yeah i think, I, I, also, think for that. I think the amount that you that you have to listen to your stuff when you're mixing it and mastering it and going through those you can get a bit snow blind to it and you just hear it so fucking much i don't think i have any desire to listen to it. actually that's not true i haven't listened to it in ages and i guess we're going to be playing all those songs on tour which is exciting but yeah man it's 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 a funny one yeah i think the, the release will be quite cathartic it will be this quite i think it might be quite a galvanizing moment especially just ahead of the tour it'll be quite yeah, quite energizing because it does yeah it does take a lot on a life of its own like it's been um obviously the whole process for, for us doing this album was very different to previous ones because we you know we obviously were doing it during covid yeah. we sort of turned our rehearsal studio into a recording studio and recorded the thing ourselves which we'd never done before so it was a uh, yeah <laughs> into that yeah we just cut so we, we basically like bunkered down just literally the three of us uh there was no one around like you know we, we didn't have any external influence really um so then once the album was finished and we handed it in then that kind of uh, that circle of people who were listening to it sort of expanded and and that was helpful to get the support from them um and now yeah with the release like everyone gets to hear it so it's um yeah it'll be cool to to yeah have that open up to, to other people and have them have their favorite songs in the album and stuff like that because we've been so in it so living it for so long it's yeah. um or yeah, at least nice. at least the song that they dislike the, the least yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's, what's the least worst song on the album, guys? <laughs> that's Great the stage banter. I mean, that's the thing with Demo White, isn't it? When you work too long on something, it then becomes this, like, uh, meticulous process of trying to, like, fine comb everything and it just doesn't need it. Nah, it's, yeah, 100%. Like, and I think what's, what's really useful about having um, a producer working with you is that that could, like... It's good to have a sounding board in that respect. Someone who's like, you know, guys, honestly, like this is, this works or this doesn't work. Um, we tend to overthink stuff a lot, I think. So um, this this time around, doing it entirely ourselves had lots of benefits. But I think that was one of the things that was different for us. We didn't have anyone else there kind of saying like, right, stop recording. Like you've added 50 guitars to this track. You should stop now. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, we yeah. Did. We didn't have anyone going through that, so um, so yeah, you end up with fucking fifty guitar tracks or whatever. But um, but yeah, it just I think it's the the album like really took shape. I think because of the situation uh, that we were in, like I think previously 
again, it's, it's, it's easy to look back on albums and go like, oh, well, you know, the reason that sounds like that is because of the stuff that led up to it. And, and even with as much planning and foresight um, as you can put into something, there's still just external influences that sort of like create whatever that body of work is. And for us, it was, yeah, doing it in the middle of this vacuum in a, in a pandemic where we didn't know that it was going to hear the album. We didn't know that we were going to play live again, anything like that. Like it really became just like a bit of a, the, the process of going in and sending songs to each other and recording songs became just a bit of a kind of like lifeline between the three of us to like have a bit of, bit of purpose and a, and a bit of something to concentrate on. And, 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 uh, yeah, whilst whilst everything else is going to shit, mm. I think as well, like full context there, like we we produced the album ourselves. We and Jock actually got quite nifty at, at some level of engineering, right? I mean, other than the drums, I think you did engineer it yourself, right? Oh yeah, drums are too complicated. We had to get someone else to engineer the drums and play the drums. <laughs> but I wasn't up to doing that. We got, yeah. we got a session <laughs> into to do proper drumming. Um, but I think that totally sh- uh, shaped how the album came together because time. We said you've said this before, Jock, but like time and money weren't quite the same considerations. I think traditionally we've been in studios where you've got four days. Yeah. Yeah. and you've got to track 12 songs or whatever um, and that definitely I mean that's it's quite fun to work like that and it's quite quick and that probably in in uh, inflects like how you perform and how, how now I think takes shape but actually um, when you don't have that kind of consideration then you, you're able to, to be a bit more playful with things and maybe record stuff that you even like, like we, we for the first time on this album recorded stuff that we weren't really sure we even wanted to use and we're kind of like, oh shit, we could try doing that and see how it takes shape. And actually there are a lot of things that we were like, fuck, I'm not sure if that's working. And there are a lot of other things we were like, well, I never thought that would have come together in that way. But yeah, I think that's definitely a product of, of the context of making this album, how we did. Um, yeah. Did you find yourself going to obviously external sources and other people just for reference as well? Because I know you said usually you have the producer there to sort of bounce off who's hearing it with fresh ears for the first time. So mm. you're just going out and checking it with different people and just seeing what the vibes are no, from just keeping it within no, the circle yeah literally literally it was the three of us man like it, we, we we i don't even know if it was a conscious decision but it just kind of it just kind of came about that way like yeah. you know we're all really tight as friends um not as musicians not as musicians yeah we're all yeah but yeah it was like like i said that that process became like just just a way to kind of like reconnect with because I think up until the end of 2019, which we, we literally came off our last tour at the end of 2019. Um, and from 2017, I think, which is when the band first got signed, uh, we were, you're on a bit of a, um, like, bit of a mad, like, schedule, like, you know, touring and recording and writing. You're trying to squeeze everything in and you're aware of this sort of, like, um, it's, yeah, you're you know, it's a bit of a, you got to finish this now because then the festival will be here and you got to have the first single up for the yeah. festival and then you know what i mean all that all that stuff yeah. well i remember do you remember Jock, we um we played glastonbury or i should probably footnote that by saying we played the earache stage at glastonbury which was a train carriage suspended from a crane uh yeah. at about four o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah so like 12 people on so MDMA like, and like, yeah. oh. <laughs> I was one of the 12 people on MDMA as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was honestly, that was the by far the worst show we've ever played because we got we got there like uh, we I think drove I all day there was a lot of 
there was a lot of traffic. Also, actually, we we rented a van that only had three seats in the front, and with the driver, well, oh, we yeah! can't drive. So we had to take it in turns and sitting in the back of the van, which didn't have windows, and you were literally in with the so gear. hot. Oh shit! Oh. Just sliding all over the place inside. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I remember at one point, literally one of the funniest. I completely forgot this until just now, but one of the funniest images ever was opening the like we stopped at a service station, opening the doors of this van. It was a sweltering day, and Billy was just there in his pants, like. <laughs> Faster. <laughs> <laughs> with like with like a crate of beers that had gone down to like one beer <laughs> and i was like oh my yeah. god this, this show is gonna be terrible and it was it, we, we i've never like so we were playing in this like uh it was a cool idea but like it was like hollowed it was in shang have you guys been to, you guys been to glastonbury no never no, unfortunately. okay well they, they've got this area called like shangri-la which is sort of the kind of like up all night sort of party zone right. and earache had put together this stage um or this yeah this little kind of stage there or well, they, had, they had a couple of stages but we were on the smaller one napalm and it was death like, played it didn't they napalm death yeah but i think horror. they had like the bigger stage they weren't in the, they weren't in the tube train they weren't in the tube train horror weren't like, the tube train yeah it was like it looked like a blown out tube i mean it literally was like a kind of a tube carriage with half of it kind of cut out mm. um, and billy was so billy was at the back with his kit which barely fit in the you know in the middle and then the amps the only way we could fit in and have the amps the amps were like to either side of me and will facing like across like, into each other if that makes sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and the sound when you start playing like it just fucking back you couldn't hear a fucking thing it was just like white noise <laughs> and i remember like starting yeah billy had i think taken mdma shortly before we started playing uh <laughs> Uh, but by the way, we, we were playing at like what it was three, four in the morning. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, oh. and the whole. And I, yeah, I think I was the only. But I I was like, I'm gonna stay sober for the show, and I I, I drunk about like thirty rock star energy drinks. Oh, God. So probably, so probably was even worse off than everyone else. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember like turning around at one. We were playing. I turned around and. Will was just like had stopped playing and was just putting his ear to his amp, seeing if it was <laughs> seeing if it was on. <laughs> Billy, Billy, I'm pretty sure. Didn't you stop a song because you were too hot? I, I yeah, seem to. There was a bit where I was just like, I need, I need, a, I need water or something. I think. I'm yeah. <laughs> in the middle of a song. Yeah, that was bad. Um, but I've not. I brought. I mentioned that because Jock, I think so. We did that, and then this fucking ridiculous, intense few days doing that, and then we had to. We were going straight from there to Rockfield to do the first session on the album. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, why yeah. You, you weren't drinking because you wanted to be in good shape so you could sing properly and stuff like that. So, like, we had, as an example of how fucking hectic the schedule, the scheduling was at certain points. Like, we didn't, we could, we didn't have time to go home or anything like that. So, we drove straight to. I think we had a stop off at my mum's house on the Welsh border with all of our gear, changed drivers, and then went straight in to record the album. Like after those that insane couple of fucking days, mm. and I think it's weird. Then I mean, the way that we approach making this album couldn't be further away from that obviously there's no festivals no one's doing any fucking drugs no one's sadly putting me in the back of vans in my underwear Although I keep, <laughs> keep asking um, I would have loved if that if he had like some sort of witnesses to that so like someone's just filling up petrol or something like that he turn around some sweaty yeah. man and he's on the pants coming like, the back <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a podcast going on at the same time as this somewhere else where this guy, like, strange yeah. things you've ever seen. And this guy, yeah. like, I think they kidnapped this dude. It was pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, I kidnapped them and make them play a really mediocre soft metal gig in a train carriage. 
That doesn't sound like the, uh, the premise of some sort of like horror film, though, doesn't it? Just like prodding a band into a train carriage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. play for us. We uh, we were we were in <laughs> Snowdonia in the middle of nowhere shooting a video for a song we have called "And Watched It Glow," and we thought actually a really good video concept would be a band going out into the woods or whatever to shoot a video, but then it's actually it's a horror movie, so it's kind of like. Blair Witch or like found footage stuff but yeah. it's, the, it's the centerpiece is the band going to make the video so it kind well, of we, we saw of, we saw it did that Do you the the video for Black Hole which is the oh, first shit. single yeah 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 that's very true that's very true like our idea was to do a sort of it's really funny because I think like judging from the like people we spoke to I think they watched the beginning of the video and it's meant to look like it's like you know like band on tour you know live footage us in the you know in the studio us um you know in the bus or whatever um and then what we did was like staged all this stuff well we staged a lot of that and then got like an amazing prosthetic artist to build this like weird evil goat creature who keeps cropping up throughout the video and then it goes down like this weird road so by the end like i think it's got us signing the record we 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 uh we restaged us signing the record deal and then Will's nose starts bleeding all over the contract and like yeah. this weird goat figure ends up like killing us all at the end. But I think most people started the video and went, oh, it's just them horsing around. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's, oh, it's a montage video. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No one saw it through to the spooky conclusion. Yeah, we'd like to put so much effort into this video <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like no one saw. <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of the story of the band, I guess. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's usually the way it happens. So going, going back to, you mentioned and watched it glow as well, the music video. So yeah, I watched that. It's fucking cool. I got proper Wicker Man vibes from it. I don't know if he was like going for that sort of vibe, but especially towards the end as well. Like throughout, it was like proper English folk horror vibes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, folk horror is definitely, I mean, it's so, so on brand, isn't it, with metal and with heavy music yeah. anyway. And I think... Um, that's definitely part of our universe. I think we wanted to do something like that and just, but just kind of make it a bit fucking ridiculous and a bit, and a bit weird. I don't, I don't know how we ended up with a fucking bunny suit and got <laughs> jock dressed up as a knight. And, who else is that? and the alien. It was literally like throwing darts at like an ideas board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the bunny suit will be set on fire. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's do that. It's like the stuff that the precog shout out in, in minority report, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> balcony elbow knife you know get that Honestly. down it's a good idea yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally we, we wrote the shot list on it it was carved onto a little wooden ball that was shot out of this this machine and we like, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly um yeah that was a, that was a, that was a fun couple of days so do you guys yeah. take like a bit of influence from or are you horror fans yourselves? Um, I think like certainly like I think with certain videos we have like certain elements of it. I don't think we've ever gone like um, oh we want to make this look like uh, X, Y or Z. It's usually, I guess it's usually to kind of complement the song a little bit it depends yeah, what yeah, the piece yeah. of music we're doing is I think I think interestingly because so me and Jock went to school together and we used to hang out a lot when we were I guess teenagers early teenagers we did go through a pit phase do you remember we'd go to the video shop in mm. Stenningson and we would rent a horror movie yeah like I remember yeah. watching The Ring on TV and being and kind of enjoying how abs- like how fucking terrifying it was and we then we started doing that as a regular thing I remember we watched like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre I remember renting uh 
I think it's that that when you're that age, like just before you kind of like are old enough to like maybe like start like drinking or go like the kind of like the gnarliest cool thing you can do is like watching like an 18 rated movie. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're cool men. Like sat there like fucking <laughs> watching. I don't know, I spit on your grave or some shit. Like, <laughs> that was, that was very... <laughs> quite disturbed by it. Afterwards. Yeah, pretending that oh, we're that not scared. Fun. Yeah, yeah. That was a thrill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, not like... Um, like, we know um, people who are, like, super into horror. Like, I, I, I don't think we would class ourselves as, as that. Like, um, yeah. but I think with some of the music... There, you know heavy music horror there's kind of like a crossover I suppose mm. and like, certainly like I, sometimes I definitely think that movies in general uh, definitely inform a lot of how we we put stuff together whether it's artwork or even songs maybe not, 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 not specific things in terms of how they might influence lyrics or anything but just in terms of the scope and like just giving something a bit of a narrative and kind of tying it in with some kind of aesthetic time or place. Yeah. I think mm. these are always definitely really important for us in terms of how we think about stuff. And as Jock says, there's just that natural kind of cadence with horror and heavy stuff. Mm. Quite a nice way to deal with quite big, grandiose kind of gothic sentiments or whatever is, yeah. is to kind of channel it through that. Cause I think people are used, that's, that's how people normally consume that kind of stuff. Right. Is, mm. is, is through movies and, 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 and horror like that. Sorry, Jock, go on. No, no, I was going to say, I think, um, I haven't thought about this in a while, but I remember, particularly when we did our last album, The Goat, like a big, and I think generally how we put our songs together, like we're all like a similar age and we all grew up like on similar movies and stuff and we're all very into that sort of like, um, that era of film, you know, classic movies like uh, Indiana Jones and Back to the Future and, and, and stuff like that. And nice. those films, especially Indiana Jones, has like a certain tone about it where it's like, it's slightly kind of silly and slightly kind of like, like it's a bit of a wink to the camera with how like silly some of the stuff stuff is. But it's like, yeah. a, mm. but it's really successful. Like yeah. it also like is just fundamentally so well put together. All the, all the beats are in the right place. Like, um, and it's kind of, I think what we really like about those things is like they're kind of designed to be enjoyed by everyone but then also if you're a bit of a geek about it you can go in kind of deeper and realise that this is stuff that's made by people who really know their shit you know it's not like lowest common denominator but it's still popcorn and I think that was kind of one of the influences when we were kind of like writing songs and putting them together like we always wanted to make music and I think that's why you know for example we don't really well, we don't at all. We don't have heavy vocals in the music. We always wanted it to like hit, succeed on the same levels as like you know, like a David Bowie song or like, you know, Beatles song. We always wanted it to have like choruses that people could sing along with and stuff and have it be, yeah, just like kind of quite easily accessible. But then when you maybe like scratch beneath the surface, hopefully there's like quite a lot going on. And, you know, it's not like we're putting something together that's just um, designed to be like whatever's popular at the, at, at the time. It's like our our version of what pop music should be. We've tried to do stuff that is whatever's popular at the time, but no one liked it. We can't do that. We're not good enough to do that. So we, we, we've, no. we've, this is got, we, we've settled for this version of that. Yeah. I think that's the thing with, with all eyes where I know me and you have had a personal experience with this, where you try and force yourself to write to something that's more popular and more suited, and it mm. just doesn't work because your brain doesn't form that way. Like your writing mm. style is to yourself, like your own authentic thing. So when yeah, you're yeah, trying yeah. to push away from that, you, you just naturally like, no, I don't want to do that. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny, man. I think like going into this album, I remember that we did like there was a kind of like aborted session that we did for some early songs, um, <clears throat> where I'd kind of like tried to put nudge things in a certain direction, um, which just didn't it didn't work. It didn't sound like us. And I think what's funny is that the album we ended up with, Pure Evil, is probably the most like disparate and diverse body of work we've we've ever put out. Um, but they all feel genuine. It all feels like it comes from the right place. And I think like when we tried consciously to kind of like push something in a, in a new direction, as it were, it just, it didn't mm. feel, it was still like, you know, we could still put together a song, you know, it sounds like kind of finished song and it's, you know, it's all right, but it just, it didn't feel like us. We weren't kind of like, you know, uh, to, to sound really naff. We weren't really like telling our story or our version of, yeah. I think, I think whenever, anything is uh, any art um is sort of valuable it's when it comes from a place of of honesty because it because then it comes to a place that no one else can really come from you know it's got a unique sort of uh identity to it yeah well this uh, like listening through the album as well uh, just before we came on you could tell it's got a lot of like dynamic contrast to it as well so you've got tracks like dear john which is just mm. the, the instrumental all the way through and then hear my word and yeah, like Dear John was just a nice break in between, just right in the middle of the album as well. Was that was that just something that came in while you was recording the album? You just thought this this would like fit perfectly, like right in the middle. Um, well, I, I, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll talk about it. Um, we were discussing whether or not to really talk about this, but um, it was basic. So we we me and Billy lost a, a close friend um, before, like I think shortly before we started writing this album. Um, and I was asked by uh, the family to like play a bit of music at, um, at his funeral. Oh, lovely! Um, so, dear John was was sort of written um, with that in mind, um, and we always, I think, wanted to sort of like um, dedicate the album uh, to our friend. Um, so yeah, it, that was that was kind of how how the piece of music came about, and it, it felt really kind of important to us and special. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it also kind of like, I think served that purpose of being just like a kind of like a nice quiet moment on on the album. Um, yeah, and, and like I said, I think because of the way it came about, it always felt like just a nice sentiment. Yeah. Yeah, it was always something that we definitely wanted to yeah. put in there. It kind of like informed the mood. I think. Of, yeah everything yeah i think also just sort of tonally in terms of the shape that it takes it it's really useful to have things like that on an album in terms of creating narrative i don't mean the narrative of, of how the, the song itself was written but just in terms of the texture of the actual album it's kind of i don't know i sometimes think about like putting together like a, a bit like an album i guess or, or an ep or whatever is it's kind of like editing video or something like that and you're kind of telling a story and there's meant to be some kind of uh light and shade right like uh yeah some dynamics i guess uh and that stuff ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with a message for everyone paying big wireless way too much please for the love of everything good in this world stop with mint you can get premium wireless for just 15 dollars a month of course if you enjoy overpaying no judgments but that's weird okay one judgment Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. 
stuff like that is so nice as a kind of palate cleanser and kind of to kind of build a bit of momentum or take something in a different direction. Um, I love that song as well. Yeah, it's really, I'm, I'm yeah. glad it, it ended up on that. Yeah, but I think that, yeah, I've said it before, but Billy was, was really good at that. I think because of the way we recorded the album, because it was all sort of done with just like this little, the circle of just the three of us, we were able to kind of like, yeah, explore a lot more, um, ideas and, and go down a lot of kind of creative rabbit holes uh and then billy was very good at having like a bit more of a zooming out a bit more and um, being able to kind of cr like put something together that kind of made sense I, th I think one of the big things for us kind of writing this uh, and putting it together was sort of letting go a little bit because i think sometimes you can worry too much about like um yeah, like a like I said, you know, we had those aborted early sessions that you worry about like a narrative or a direction. Like, you know, what's the what's the new, you know, what what direction we take this album in? And then I think having the time and space that we had to do it allowed us to just just live in each song and and write and follow it to its logical conclusion and ha have enough faith that because we were doing it and it was all coming from us and coming from the same place that there would be a there would be a link. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing with some of the releases that have come from lockdown and these like miserable two years we've had. There's something about mm. artist releases where there's this sort of natural realism to it, where it's there's just birds. It, there's nothing um, tamed or anything like that. They're just like throwing it to the wall, and it's mm. a true expression of them because not ads, yeah. like pass it by everyone it's not been rushed they've, had, they've taken the time to sit down with it and listen to it articulate what they exactly want to voice out totally yeah because you're, you're you know again going back to that kind of like the roller coaster of like being in a band and, and the hectic schedule and stuff like yeah that that all goes away and, and all you're left with I suppose at that point and certainly for us is just like each other and just wanting to make music because you you always have and uh, it's it's something that you enjoy and going back to that place and having everything come from that place not that it wasn't before but it's it's more concentrated i feel because like yeah it's you know you're not worried about getting a new single out in time for a tour that you've got booked or anything like that because you know there's no tours <laughs> like you're just um yeah. you're not trying you're to just... force it it's just naturally coming to yourself. yeah exactly yeah 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 so it was just yeah it was it was you know even though it was obviously um, uh, there was a lot of dark stuff happening around the world at the time, like it was the, the album gave us like a really nice thing to sort of latch onto just on, on a personal level and, 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 and uh, yeah, something to focus on and feel proud of. Mm. So what, what are your influences as well, music wise, like musical style wise and what, what did you guys grow up listening to that you think influenced yourselves as a band as well? Um, all sorts really I mean like uh, me and Billy uh, we went to school together so we've been friends since we were like 12 years old um, and that was sort of the new new metal explosion was happening then <laughs> yes yeah. it, it was like you know uh, yeah bringing your skateboard to school and not being able to ride it very well and like, <laughs> drawing, like yeah. in fact one of the I don't know if this was if you, if you guys had this as well but when we were at school there was a sort of a trend for 
tipexing band names on your school bag did you yeah. ever have that we had it on our like diaries and stuff and books that we got we used to get the tipex mm. on there uh, for me as you can yeah. see hertograms went on every fucking thing that i had uh, <laughs> yeah 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 so like it was kind of like i guess a lot of people was a secondary school so a lot of people had, you know were trying to make friends so that was the way you'd like throw up a flag to see if like you could you yeah, could yeah. make friends I, <laughs> I, I i clearly remember actually like i had i'd seen other people doing it and I was into like, you know, corn and lip biscuit and stuff. Yeah. And was, oh, cool. I should do the same thing. But then I was like writing band names in my bag and then like ran out of like bands that I knew. Cause like, <laughs> I was like, oh shit. And I remember like writing, I was like, what other bands do I know? And writing like the monkeys. There's a bit of space there. Like, <laughs> it's such a weirdly, weird bit of like, weirdly Say again. It's such a weird bit of tribalism, actually, and it's true. And actually, I I remember there being a guy at our school who had like Frank Zappa and like Herbie Hancock. I think people were like, "I'm gonna do my my take on that." Actually, yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah. Mad. Weirdly, now I think like having corn next to the monkeys is actually quite puppy. I think I'm actually quite pleased mm. that like <laughs> it kind of makes it, it's all come full circle again. Um, but yeah, so yeah, me, me and Billy kind of bonded over music like that, and then. We're, we're always in bands together really like in like loads of weird incarnations i think we watched pulp fiction and made a surf rock band uh yes. the first gig we ever played first yeah. gig we ever played was the instrumental surf song yeah at our school <laughs> assembly in year nine we did um, we did the same thing I, with like a funk song didn't we like we, oh shit did yeah, you? we had the same so like we, we basically have the same relationship as you guys about throughout high school and we used right, to just right, jam right. loads of different shit out with different yeah. bands but we just come up with a random funk song once and thought it'd be cool to, to get a gig at the local pub uh, <laughs> what we were getting paid for and just come out with this funk instrumental song that had nothing to do with like, the next song, the next Guns N' Roses song that we were covering just fucking <laughs> randomly break out into a funk song like, I oh, <laughs> named it after one of the guys who started the band with us he was he, he just it was shit yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so we were like Oh, we'll just call it "Fuck You, Cowboy." <laughs> why? Why? It's a funk song. <laughs> so halfway through the song, one of us would just shout "Fuck You, Cowboy," and we ended up playing that at the. Uh, did we play that for two the, years? Yeah, we played years, that song. Yeah, yeah. really. He wasn't wow. best pleased. Yeah, like but, if we, we played like a whole like. time show, and he was there, we would start playing, and you just see immediately see him walk. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Like I, that, that that um that feeling, like when you're first signing bands and stuff. When you kind of like half, you have like half. It's crazy to look back at it, but like you'll kind of have a half finished idea for a song, and you'd be like, "Cool, well, let's book a gig." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like, yeah. and the songs are always. You look at your set list or whatever, and the songs are always called like funk jam or like heavy song <laughs> heavy song yeah 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 we had a song called yeah. heavy song yeah we had a song yeah. called heavy song yes I am um, my friend Otto he's a bassist I think he works in a school he's a music teacher in a school and he there was some kind of battle of the bands the other day and he's saying that this kid this band really sweet like I don't know like 13 year old boys got up and played this song and he was listening and he was like I know this song and basically, he was in a band with my friend Mark, and it was the exa- almost exactly the same as the first song they wrote and did in a Battle of the Bands. Really? I think when you're that age and you've just learned guitar and you've just learned drums or whatever, like your your repertoire or whatever is probably so small. Yeah. And the yeah. bands you're listening to, they, they're probably still listening to like Nirvana and like a few like 
set guitar bands that kind of influence what they do and weirdly yeah i think people end up writing incredibly similar things when they're 13. yeah yeah so it's because you learn like you learn like the minor pentatonic riff on the guitar right <laughs> so like so like funk uh, like blues so like i don't know like rage against the machine are like the perfect band to be into when you're like learning guitar because all of it's like the blues scale so you're just like now now and like uh, the, the bassist and guitarist can play the same thing yeah. so you don't have to like worry about what the parts are or anything like that so uh, yeah I think everyone arrived at weirdly similar conclusions of crap instrumental funk rock and we were <laughs> we were also in a band that heavily ripped off um, uh, Rage Against the Machine didn't we? yeah I think yeah. I ra- didn't I rap at one point? I think <laughs> You were, it was touted, and I think you'd written some things. And I remember you coming into the studio when we were rehearsing, and I think you had a pad. And I think you would, yeah, I think you you were like, no, 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 next time, next time. (laughs) I remember like, I remember like writing like kind of political raps at like 12 years old. I had no idea about like any of that shit, but like I kind of heard Rage Against the Machine, and we're like, okay, yeah, politics, yeah, let's get into it. Tony Blood. Probably would have been, yeah. 12 year old fat white boy like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah your fucking businesses yeah, that was uh, their fucking businesses yeah talk to me about your overheads um yeah. that was <laughs> we had a um we had our friend hugh played bass and our friend kit played guitar i played drums and like it's weird because jock is probably one of the more talented musicians that I know or that I could think of but for some reason I think you played bass at that time and we already had a bassist and it was kind of understood that Hugh was a bit better than you at bass yeah so yeah yeah period where after the political rapping thing you were heavily considering getting DJ decks yes! <laughs> 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 to be like DJ Lethal or like the Stones got to be kind of like or like because there was a lot of them around there was the Executioners did that song with uh, Static X didn't they yeah 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 it's going uh, down yeah it's going down and then like Linkin Park were fucking going with Buster Rhymes as well at the time yeah 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 Jay-Z as well they did that thing and um yeah Uncle Cracker he was a DJ wasn't he Uncle Cracker was Uncle Cracker yeah I don't remember that one song he was he was DJ shit and it, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. His, he's wasn't he related to someone? He's someone's favorite. I'm gonna have to Google this. As I'm he sorry. was related to nephew Cracker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was his <laughs> uncle. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, uh, yeah. I remember being in a weird point, like uh, uh, in between. You know, like when you're at school and like you'll form bands like in the playground, and then like you never rehearse and then the next week you'll be like so and so got kicked out of the band it's like yeah. what like it's like the dumbest <laughs> like shit ever but yeah like finding myself in a, in a place where the kind of two bands amongst our friendship group were like filled up with the instruments that I could play so like I'm going home being like dad yeah you gotta get me some decks like the only way I can get in these bands is if I'm this fucking scratch DJ <laughs> or I, I think also I'd like I was aware of the band Il Nino and they had a percussionist so I was like, well, maybe I can get some, uh, maybe I can get some bongos and get involved that way. Mm-hmm. Get some kegs in. Yeah. I mean, Slipknot man. Ah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember when I was thirteen, and it was so close to modifying my Fender Strat to have EMG pickups in, just to be like Jim Root. And I remember going, to oh, really? going, can you mod this? Get rid of all single coils like pickups and put two five EMGs in the like, No, 
<laughs> you say no? All right, we'll put this Seymour Duncan in in your bridge and let's see how you yeah. get on. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was uh, that was that was probably a wise decision. Yeah, it, it really was. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I actually, funny enough, so I wanted like the first. I'm sure I'm age here, but the the first like proper guitar I ever bought was. Do you remember Loot Magazine, like pre eBay and stuff? There was like a paper called Loot Magazine, and it was like people would put like buy and sell. It was like Gumtree, yeah, like right. you buy it in a newsagent, like uh, buy and sell ads. And I got a, um, uh, I was on the lookout for like a kind of for a guitar and I saw this advert and it was like Fender guitar and amp. And it was like 300 pounds for both of them. And I was right. like, here we, here we fucking go. Went around to this guy's house, got this like, it was like a Fender Telecaster. And like, what I realized now was like a vintage, like 70s Fender Princeton amp, which is like a beautiful, beautiful amp. I got it home and being like a fucking 12 year old idiot who was into Guns N' Roses, plugged it in and was like, ah, it's not distorted. This is shit. Like sold yeah. this, this amp, which I got for a steal. This like incredibly like hard to come by nice amp. Like sold it for peanuts. I thought like 50 quid and bought like a Marshall solid state, like built in effects amp instead. Oh, Cause man. I could like press oh, a button oh, and it was distorted. Oh. Amp. But, yeah. At least, at least you didn't say Alliance like, Spider or something like that. <laughs> Spider free an insane zone. There probably wasn't much in it. I think I bought a metal zone with the leftover money. It was like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go now. Fuck you, Loop Magazine. But yeah, I I think within about a year, I was like, oh my god, that's I can't believe what I what I what I just did. But uh, I had the telecast. You own that telecaster, Billy? It's not a (laughs) weed. Yeah, yeah, not a piss, and we never knew why. Really weird. You probably don't want to know why though. No. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, leave that secret to the the sands of time. What happened to that guitar? What did you do with that guitar? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I traded it for another like solid state Marshall, probably at some Jesus point. Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you could ever trade that period of you being a musician for anything because it's so like. Um, genuine because you're just trying to like learn everything like i remember like discovering drop d and i was like what is this i can yeah. tune down a string <laughs> like yeah. Beat yeah. Tones. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and suddenly you're like the best guitarist in the world you're like i'm i mean i'm a professional musician now i'm a 12 year old boy <laughs> who's uh clearly a child genius and he's gonna be a- <laughs> yeah. i remember going to school i was like to my mate it's like check out this i've discovered it <laughs> yeah, I went, mate. Let's fucking drop day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You think of the first person to think of all this shit. I think what's so nice is like that. Yeah, it's like it's so earnest, and you're like, you have these dis- like really like intense. Like me and Billy having intense discussions about being like, no oh, man, we need to go in like you know more of a surf rock direction. Like it's really important, and like having like a rouse about it and shit like that. And like, I, I don't know. The thing think- about the thing about the surf rock thing is that. The, the 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 political rapping never really took off and never happened and so as a, as a result we never had a singer or a frontman in anything that we did and we were like what can cater to the lack of a singer and we were like fucking surf music man they never yeah. had singers it's fine and we basically yeah. shaped our whole creative output around the idea that we were all too scared to sing and didn't have enough friends to actually get someone who would do a good job at singing yeah yeah, for sure. I don't think we ever had like uh, a proper singer at any point with our like high school bands. Really like we used to get one for a month, and they were like, "Fuck this! Mm. Like you guys are too intense about this." 
Uh, so yeah. we play shows, and it was like I remember we played a pub show right around here, and I think pretty sure they paid us in soft drinks because we had like no aspect on like how to get paid for a gig, and yeah. our singer had left the day before, so we played an entire two-hour set with no singer instrumental. Two hours set. Yeah, <laughs> we just got like, like fuck it, we'll just play wherever. <laughs> Meanwhile, wow. meanwhile, you've got the punters in the pub going, play Wonderwall, like all this sort of shit. Yeah, he was like, yeah, fuck yeah. that, we're playing Guns N' Roses and like Sliver by Velvet Revolver and all this sort of shit. Like. That was Without a banger, punters. wasn't it? Yeah. Great riff. Yeah, yeah. Did you, so you, but you didn't have a singer to go, eh, in the riff. You know, it has <laughs> that... <laughs> that's so it's like a weird like karaoke band yeah. that's yeah that's that's a, that's a that's a funny place to be <laughs> yeah. we never really like to be honest like we always we didn't really play that many gigs like i think we had like one gig in a pub we played uh, at lark in the park that pub in lark um, in the park yeah where we, we did like a faces cover and stuff i think like a led zeppelin cover we covered rock and roll by led zeppelin nice. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We played at some weird squat in central London as well. Do you remember that? I was yeah. so excited. It became such a huge thing. And, and I think we got, it was like the start of a party that was probably, I don't know what the fuck we were doing playing that. We were like 15 and there was people yeah. doing quite heavy drugs. in that. Yeah, party. there were just people sat around doing heroin and we're like, there were these like <laughs> 15-year-old boys like, who's ready to rock? And we'd all bought matching white jeans to wear before the show because we were like, they're going to be blown away. We're the coolest <laughs> band in the world. So all they see is these weird kind of like semi-pubescent boys, yeah, walk into their drugs den wearing, uh, wearing white, oh, ill-fitting man. white jeans doing Led Zeppelin covers. Yeah, God. How the mighty have fallen. Mm. It's all downhill from there, really. I think that was... We Absolutely. But then weird, you know what's kind of strange is I think like um, like those like those formative... Um, experiences and and me and billy in particular like our formative years like being like into kind of rock bands and growing up listening to new metal and it's all like massively informed where we arrived with with puppy and how we sort of like um like our relationships that music now yeah like we're not like we don't really have our ear to the ground in terms of like what's going on currently in like heavy music um it's always been from yeah those those early like formative formative years of kind of learning your instruments together and stuff like the background to it was always was always that um i think that's just that yeah that was a big part of 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 making this band and trying to kind of it was just always really fun like whenever we'd be in different bands we'd end up doing like a kind of like heavy riff and being like oh man that's so much fun anyway back to the real band Mm. we had Um, a um we had an egyptian themed an ancient egyptian themed doom band also instrumental called prophecy yeah, and we would have like a maybe twenty minutes, a half an hour of a, a practice of our old band. We would we would do prophecy, and that was always the best bit. Yeah, and I think with Puppy, we were like we should lean into that side of it. Yeah. I, I guess yeah, again, yeah, because it's the most fun. It felt the most genuine and the most honest. And I think it was as soon as we kind of lent into the yeah the most fun stuff or the stuff that we enjoyed doing most. That's kind of when people started to give any kind of a shit. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a really nice feeling to kind of go like the the kind of like dumbest and most idiosyncratic like parts of our musical makeup are the ones that resonated most. And I think that was like a really cool like kind of lesson to learn. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. rather than worrying about anything, you just yeah play what 
you dig deep and play what kind of really means something to you yeah and that when when that when that means something to someone else that's like pretty pretty special you know it's, it's resonating for all the right reasons mm-hmm. well uh, at, least, awesome. at least we uh at least we know where the next puppy album's heading anyway uh, we're going to yeah, surf, surf, surf <laughs> yeah, rock with, uh, with a bit of rap in there and yeah. an Egyptian um, theme and maybe a, yeah. some white jeans every so often in there, a couple of music videos. Oh, please let it happen. <laughs> Sounds fucking amazing. I'm, I'm game for that, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't forget the DJ as well. We'll get Uncle yeah, Cracker yeah. to, to guest. I can finally afford DJ decks now. Now that I'm a, now that I'm a man of my thirty, <laughs> <laughs> finally pulled the trigger. <laughs> Scratch decks I've wanted this whole time. Childhood dream. Just like look at this. It'd be, yeah, it'd be funny if it was CDJs actually, like mm. like a worse version, like played off like an iPod. That would yeah. be cool. An iPod <laughs> Nano from like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one CDJ on like a little like drum stool, just like on the on the stage. Only have thirty two gigs worth of songs, and then every now and then you have to get sacrifice some of your favourite tunes to put more on. Yeah, I've that was switched. so hard. Yeah, I yeah. just switched mid show. They were the hardest things in life. Like when you when you were your age, you were just like, oh, I really like that album, but I, I need this new music. Yeah. 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 I remember I, I, I thought I could get around it. I remember having this revelation where I think I bought, was it like, let me the second Mars Volta album or something, or the third, where it had like, there were like, there weren't many songs, but each one was like 10 minutes long. And I remember like... Francis the, the Mute. Yeah, I believe it was Francis the Mute. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I remember like, I had pre-iPod, I had the, there was a, the first phone that had, I think it was like a Motorola phone that had like iTunes on it. And it said like you can have a hundred songs on the on the phone. And I was like, amazing. So I thought I could like kind of like swerve around it by putting a hundred songs that were all like ten minutes long. So I was like, Well, I got you. These are a hundred songs. Doesn't matter how long those songs are. <laughs> and of course it didn't work. I think I just had Francis to mute on there, and that was the entire album's worth of music. <laughs> yeah. I listened to that album pretty intensely. So you guys have been championed by uh, Daniel P. Choir. I'm gonna get rid of this because I've got this like ridiculous lag of me like two seconds afterwards like speaking uh, way, like, <laughs> podcast. I have that like, the whole time. Uh, That's just <laughs> try this again. So <laughs> uh, you guys have been championed by Daniel P. Carr at the minute at the rock show, uh, with all the new stuff being played quite frequently. How does that feel? Because obviously Daniel P. Carr being like such like a big presence within the the scene is quite a cool thing. It's great, man. Yeah, he's he's been really supportive. Like, I remember he was the first. I literally remember. I think we'd. I remember really clearly a moment when me and Billy were in the studio uh, finishing off our second EP, Volume Two, and we'd already put out our first song off that, which is called Entombed, which ended up yeah on the we re-recorded it for our, for the Goat, and um, we put that out. I think just on Bandcamp or something like that, and getting an email saying that Dan Carter, or, or like a notification of some kind, saying Dan Carter had played it on Radio 1, which to us was like the maddest shit ever. We were just, I like, was just like fucking, I remember like high-fiving. Um, and since then, he's been he's been really supportive, man. I mean, like, you know, he's he's a big figure in in, in heavy uh, music. like, and, and it's really cool to have him like championing, you know, bands like ours alongside. I mean, the, the guests he has on his show were like fucking Maynard, James Keenan and shit like that. So it's quite, it's very humbling to have him say, like, you know, after that chat with 
you know, fucking Tony Iommi, here's the new single from Poppy. <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> pretty good company. Should we, should we go on to the segment? Yeah, let's do it. We've, we've just got rid of our... Uh, uh, what's your favourite scary movie? Yeah. So we've just got the one now. So, oh, okay, yeah. Um, so we have a reoccurring segment every episode, uh, which is, what is your pet peeve? What pisses you off the most in life, and it can be the pettiest thing ever. As, oh. as it says, pet peeve, what so... Me Jock. Yeah, Billy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what pisses us off the, the most as a band in- collectively or individually no, no, just just like yeah individually but like anything so we've had like slow walkers people that eat too loud or like yeah just all sorts of things we've had I mean lo- lo- load in when you get to a venue and it's upstairs and there's no lift that's oh, pretty bad yeah oh yeah <laughs> that's the worst feeling in the world like you're so tired you've driven for like eight hours to get to like to play a basement oh no not well the basement wouldn't matter but like yeah play like some venue in I don't know wherever and uh, you, yeah you get out of the car and then realise they're like yes the loading is just this way oh. and uh, you've got like a fucking like 8 by 10 cab you've got to take up like two flight <laughs> bears <laughs> that's pretty bad I think keeping it on a tour based theme this is a bit pathetic of me but sometimes you get a sound guy um, or sound person who will sort of they're obviously trying to do their best I can imagine it's quite stressful like bands turned up you don't know who the fuck they are you're trying to figure out what the levels are and how to get it not, not sounding terrible but sometimes sound people will sort of inf- suggest you play things differently have you had that job people have been like people have been to job like could you maybe sing a little bit louder yeah 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 and people will be like can you drum quieter to me or people will be like well you shouldn't be using that pedal because the tone's weird maybe you should try using this one and it's like man yeah come on. this isn't yeah. the first time we've done this Billy like, gets it Billy gets it a lot like Billy like to be fair Bill like Billy's the loudest drummer in the world and uh, and like I mean the fact we've had to change rehearsal room a couple of times right because like we've been playing in the PA we can't hear <laughs> and the PA's maxed out um but uh, but yeah, so Billy's had it a couple of times with like with uh, with sound sound engineers asking him to play choir, which is obviously not happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like, and then as a result, yeah, they've been like, "Can you sing?" I think it just asked me to sing better generally before. It's been like <laughs> pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, we had it. We uh, we played. Um, we were we were doing some shows. I think we were supporting Monster Magnet uh, around Europe, and we were playing some shows in Germany. There were quite a lot of shows in Germany. Mm. And um, I remember there was a guy that came up to our uh, our merch table. Like we, you know, we'd done our show, and you know how it is. Like you stand at the merch table after the after the gig. You know, no one's probably going to come up. Everyone's there to see the main band, blah blah. We hang out, and this this man came up, and he was like, um, "I I enjoyed your um, the beginning of your show. I'd never heard your band before, but uh, at the beginning of your show, you started playing a riff, and it was nice, and it was heavy, and I enjoyed it. But then you started singing, and it reminded me of a woman's voice." And I did not, I did not like it at all. Oh, what? <laughs> and, I like, and I was like, "Oh man, thanks." Well, yeah, I don't really know what to do with that information. I guess, like, <laughs> I guess I'll go and uh, try something else. But then he was like, "Are quite savage about their they, I don't. They just because you wouldn't really get that in England, but in no. in Europe, are they people. I think they feel like it's part of the process and that you're kind of fair game. Do you remember someone else being like, "Why do you guys dress like such dorks?" 
Yeah. We were like, and he was like, what the f- yeah. he, he, I think he was wearing a leather jacket or something, and like maybe sunglasses at night indoors. But we were kind of yeah. like, that's the thing. Like to hit, like to us, he looked like such. A, he literally like turned up looking like funny fucking Danny Zuko from Greece, and he said, <laughs> "Like you guys look like losers," and we we're like, "Who the fuck?" No, fuck the Terminator telling us we look like. like yeah. It was literally. <laughs> It was like that, yeah. We yeah, we got asked by someone doing press in. Uh, I can't, it was, we we did a one of the weirdest days of our lives was we did um, when our first album came out, the Goat. We had it. We were on tour at the time in Europe, and it, we we booked out like a day of European press, which was in the Hard Rock Cafe for some reason in Paris, I believe. Was mm, it Bill? It was, yeah. And they, they had like, like a whole fl- upper floor of it and there was a, people kind of coming in and out over the course of the day and we had basically set up camp in the heart of the Hard Rock Cafe surrounded by like framed pictures of like Bon Jovi like and like Hanoi yeah. Rocks. <laughs> yeah. And then like, yeah, I remember as well, they were like, you know, if you guys want, you can take one item each from the uh, from oh, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as like a little like memento and we were like, <laughs> okay. Billy <laughs> 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 really went down there. What was it? And what was the choice? Like you put. It was like the- a. Yeah, it was like a sweet little. I think it was like a glittery bowler hat. Yeah. And I can't remember what the other thing was. I think it was like. Yeah, it was like a glittery bowler hat and like I don't know, like a fucking like a tie that said Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah. Or <laughs> And then you were like, Billy went up to the guy, the, you know, bless him, who was running the, the the stall or whatever, the little concession stand. And he was like, man, I wonder if you could help me. I'm really torn between the glittery bowler hat and the tie. <laughs> and the guy, the guy was like, well, I have one question. Do you want to look cool on stage? And Bill was like, <laughs> Bill was like well, of course. And the guy was like, go for the bowler hat. <laughs> I still have that hat somewhere. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but, you know that was because that was in light of light of the fact that yeah, one of the questions we've been asked was like, "Have you guys ever considered thinking about your image more?" <laughs> we were like, what? "Wow!" We were like, Jeez. "I mean, I thought we were." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty. Uh, oh, pretty, pretty but do you know what that's not a pet hate because I actually quite enjoy those situations because they are quite amusing and you do remember them and you kind of talk about them for a while and even at the time you're not really angry you're just yeah we were just laughing it was quite funny I I welcome those situations yeah Yeah, we we were very drunk I think by that point and we just like burst out laughing (laughs) (laughs) what do I say to that oh that's amazing so have you got any other pet peeves if, if you're quite fond of that one um Oh gosh, I don't know. What's it's, it's hot band related then? Is there like everyday stuff that really they like, great you? Um, going into when it, when uh, this is like a kind of like a home. Just when you go into the, the if you live in a shared house of any kind, and you go into the toilet, and someone's left uh, like an empty cardboard thing of the loo roll there. Mm. You know what I mean? Staying on that just theme, it, just take it with you. Just take it with you, man. That theme. You know when someone has gone to the trouble of putting a new toilet roll thing in the holder but the the wrong way around yeah oh yeah when it's around the back <laughs> oh what i will mean? even if i'm in a public toilet i will have to amend that <laughs> or take the entire system off the wall <laughs> <laughs> smashing it to pieces yeah let me exactly. just fix this issue real quick <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I need you to fix it 
yeah, yeah. Like men, men weighing on seat, like men not lifting the seat when they when they wee is. Uh, I, I I think that's. I agree with the, that. Yeah. That, that. Adult is fucking insane to me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's bad. Preston Meekwire was something similar to that, where it was like uh, those people up decide to shit on the walls and trains. Shit on the what? It was like that he went to a tra- like went to a t- go to the toilet on a train and he'd open the door and someone literally had like projectile shot on the wall. Like a massacre. <laughs> what? Wow. I, I protest. Maybe that train was really delayed and they were just they weren't having it. <laughs> Fuck you, yeah, Great Western Railway. Have yeah. It. I was I was literally about to say as a joke, like you know what my pet peeve is when you go to the toilet and someone shat in the bath. But that's literally what someone's pet peeve was like after in real life. Like wow. that's fucking insane. That's like a situation that doesn't really occur very often. No, yeah, it, it's that, just that, like how does that even happen? I mean, like how does shit end up on the wall, especially when it's facing downwards? Like yeah, that's like saying like my pet peeve is when your hot air balloon gets caught on the fucking Mount Rushmore cliffs or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Sorry? That was, that was very annoying though. To be fair, that was annoying. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was annoying when it happened to us. Um, wow. Yeah, I wish ours was as cool as that. <laughs> I wish ours was as cool as shitting on a wall. <laughs> we can make it happen, baby. We're going on tour soon. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look out. Absolutely. Jeez. Oh, I'm cough guard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fellas, it's been a pleasure. Um, looking forward to the album release. We're definitely going to check you out when you're heading to Manchester. Um, yeah, do it. Come down. So, thanks so much for coming on, fellas. Yeah, appreciate thanks it. Thanks so oh, much for having us, guys. We'll do a fake goodbye. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll speak for a sec. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot, lads. Be well. That was. Jocko and Billy from the band Puppy on an earful podcast. A massive thank you to Matt from Goodles Gold once again for uh, even setting up this interview. Thank you. Uh, and if you haven't already, go and check out the brand new album. Pure Evil is out now. And if you're also going to festivals this year, they're also going to be making appearances at Outbreak Festival and 2003. So we urge you to go and watch them. And go check out that album if you're not going and watching them. It's a banger. Uh, if you didn't know, we have a Patreon might have spoke about it in the intro. Hi again, by the way. I wasn't in this podcast. Um, the Patreon. What can I say about that? Uh, discounts, exclusive content, bonus episodes, get shit early. You know all that shit. Just like our socials. You know all that shit. Links below. At an but podcast. if you don't know about socials, oh, no. let me tell you about socials. So... As everyone else, we already have social media, and you can go and check us out at an earful podcast, uh, so you can keep up with all the latest episodes, news, and anything else that we throw into the digital universe. But other than that, we'll see you next time. Other than that, <laughs> bye. Thanks.